Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin Athletic. On today's show, we are, of course, going to be previewing the Wisconsin road trip to Michigan to take on the Wolverines. In the beginning of this show, we'll do our usual breakdown, um, talk about what we think the offense and defense are going to do, talk about the guys that we think will stand out that we'll be talking about come Sunday. We'll make our score predictions, and then we'll do our Big Ten predictions for the rest of the conference. Uh, after that, we'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll have an interview with Anthony Broom of Maze and Brew to kind of get an insider perspective on the Michigan Wolverines. Um, in our conversation, we can talk about Jim Harbaugh and uh, how the expectations are uh, starting to wane a little bit at Michigan, as well as you know what's going on uh, with them uh, on the offensive side of the ball in the run game and on the defensive side of the ball. So. A uh, nice, fun interview with him as well, so make sure to check that out to get a full uh, preview of Michigan before Saturday. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Ready to talk uh, an actual game week, get the, the Badgers back on our minds and um, be able to see them on Saturday, so I'm pumped for that. Uh, big signing day news for basketball and, uh, of course, other sports. Uh, I know the volleyball team had a really good haul today as well, but um, overall great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good as well. Excited to to talk some football. I know there's been a lot of cancellations. I know we'll probably touch on a little bit um, with another Big Ten cancellation and and a lot of uh, cancellations across the country. But as much as that sucks, I'm excited to have Badger football back because it's been a long two weeks um, on that front. But I think you brought up the basketball stuff. That that kind of transitions nicely. Uh, We'll talk about that because it is signing day today when we're recording this. You guys will be listening to this on Thursday. So, Signing day was yesterday. No surprises for the Badgers locked up. Uh, all the guys in the class that we talked about on last show. Um, so that is a, a great day. I think uh, excitement is, is certainly building for those three. Um, so that will be uh, a fun class to watch on that front. Um, and then on the other side, uh, some unfortunate news. Lauren Bowman is uh, no longer in the student directory at Wisconsin. I they talked about it on the, the uh, Greg Gard's presser today, wrapping up um, uh, the signing day stuff. Just sounds like the situation at home, didn't get into it too much, but the situation at home sounds like it'd be a little bit more than what they originally thought, and he's going to need to take as much time as he needs at home. So what did you make of uh, the basketball news before we get into uh, some some football talk? Yeah, I think it's big. Uh, the Badgers were really counting on Bowman uh, moving forward. We'll see if, if uh, maybe he comes back uh, spring semester. Um, that I think everybody has to hope for that. Badgers are pretty thin at uh, that point guard spot, and he was kind of looked at as your your most likely guy to to take over that role next year, um, assuming that neither of the seniors come back. I I would have a hard time seeing Trice coming back for a sixth year, but but maybe uh, a guy like Trevor Anderson uh, becomes more likely to come back as well, or the Badgers hit up the transfer portal if Woman doesn't come back. But I, I think the big thing is, they got Chucky Hepburn today, as well as um, Chris Hodges, Matthew Moores. I know we touched on that last episode. 
good, really good class. And I, but I think this really opens up even more leeway for Chucky Hepburn to end up being your starting point guard uh, day one that he steps on campus. And that's uh, exciting, but at the same time, it's it's kind of concerning that there's not a lot of depth there as well. Um, I, I like his game. He looks a lot like Jordan Taylor uh, in a lot of ways because of his build and the, what, what he can do on the court. But but that's still asking a, a lot from a true freshman to be like, hey, here you go. Let's roll. Um, the only other thing that jumped out from Greg Gard talking today was that he, he felt like both the bigs, um, um, Ben Carlson, Stephen Crowell, and as well as uh, Johnny Davis would would see time this year, so that they're not going to redshirt most likely. Um, you know, with nobody's year really counting eligibility wise, there's no reason not to play them. I guess. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Everything that Greg Gard uh, said, you know, you know, sounded knowledgeable and sounded right. Um, you know, I know he's a great. I know a lot of people see him as kind of a great leader for this program, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but really, you know, the the comments there was was plenty to talk about. But I really think just the excitement is is starting to build um, now that we get closer and closer. He talked about you know the schedule um, and the non conference plans. I know I believe they were planning on seven non conference games, but they haven't finalized the contracts for some of those. So um, I know we've heard rumblings of one uh, with Northern Iowa, and then there'll be some others. So. It's exciting. We're getting closer and closer. I believe uh, opening tip for all of college basketball is just about two weeks away now. So uh, I know with, with football and everything going on there, that's kind of taken up a lot of time and, and energy. Uh, but college basketball is right around the corner, and it should be a fun year for Badger fans. I'm really getting excited to, to see what this squad's going to bring to the to the court here in a couple weeks. Yeah, no doubt. I think they're going to be really talented. I mean, you know it's getting close when we're, we're getting uh, – um, coaches and teams shutting things down and pausing practices because of COVID. So uh, away we go, um, based off of everything that's going on in college football, it's certainly trickled down to basketball as well. And uh, I know the Miami Stetson game has already been canceled, So, and that's uh, about two weeks away. So it's uh, it's going to be a wild ride for, for both sports moving forward, and we just need to understand that and take it for what it is. That's a great way to put it, and that'll transition us over to the football field well. I know uh, the chaos has kind of already hit Wisconsin football and hopefully has come and passed, uh, but the Badgers will return to action Saturday evening, ABC, to take on the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, you know, in, in, our inter- in my interview with Anthony that we will have later on, we kind of talked about it that uh, Wisconsin had a, had a rough two weeks, having two weeks off, but Michigan had a rough two weeks as well on the field. Um, so both kind of struggled, but for different reasons. And thankfully, Wisconsin, um, there's still a zero in that loss column. But I think that that's the place you have to start with this game is, of course, the COVID situation, particularly the quarterback situation. There's going to be positions that we don't know that guys are going to be out of. Of course, everybody knows the quarterback situation. Graham Mertz was, uh, you know, the, the everything that kind of started this. And, and we all know that he um, was a player that tested positive outside of him. I know there's been talks of some other players, but due to um, uh, HIPAA and everything like that, we're not going to say names of, of guys that we've you know kind of heard or speculated on. So we don't know the positions, but there's likely going to be somebody out. But I think the big attention getter is the quarterback position. Where do you think the Badgers are going to be at? I know uh, Mertz would, would likely get a day of practice in. Could still go with Van and Boom. Do you think it's going to be Mertz, or who do you think is going to be under center for the Badgers Saturday night if you had to put a guess on it? I'm almost positive it's going to be Mertz. I would be mm. I would be pretty shocked if it wasn't. 
if he's good to go, and I know, and I talked about this last time uh, on the last episode, you, you look at it, Danny Vandenboom has had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week um, to practice, as well as a little bit over the weekend, but most of that was conditioning work. Graham Mertz had all those weeks of camp where he was the guy. He also saw action in the game. I would be shocked if he was if he is good to go for the game. He's going to be out there. Um, you look at uh, what this team needs to do in order to beat Michigan, and he is their best shot. So I would be I would be shocked if as long as he's healthy, if he was scratched from the game. Um, but I, but I do think that we're going to see you know ten plus players from other position groups. And, and I guess even within quarterback room as well potentially here, um, that aren't able to play. And so it's going to be how can the Badgers make up for that? Um, and, and hopefully Graham Mertz is part of the solution for the kind of hodgepodge depth chart that they're going to have rolling out there come Saturday. Yeah, I think you, you look at the, the position, and right now I know there's been people that have, have, have speculated at the, will it be Mertz, will it not be. I think as long as he's ready to go, like you said, he's going to be the guy that's um, out there. You know, Even on you know short amount of practice or a couple days practice or whatever it's going to be, I mean, he's he's had plenty of time to work in the system. I know you, you still need to practice, and, and having a full week of practice leading up to a game is is the most ideal situation, especially at the quarterback position. But like you said, he's the guy. Uh, we've seen him play now enough to know that he's got some talent. And if you know if if he's ready to go, he's going to be out there because even Danny Vandenboom on on a few days practice uh, or Graham Mertz, you know, even on no practice, I, I think Danny Vandenboom is a smart kid and a good player. But Graham Mertz is as highly touted of a quarterback as Wisconsin's you know has landed and, and might ever land. So. Uh, we've seen from you know flashes from him already. That opening game performance was one that uh, kind of answers it. Answers it in general. You know, if if he's ready to go, he's going to be out there, and I think he will be. I think the speculation and um, the gamesmanship of of some people trying to say we don't know is is warranted. And of course, if you're coaching staff, why wouldn't you say, oh, we don't know who's going to be available. You're not going to show your hand early if you don't have to. So. I, I appreciate that part of it on the tactic side, but I think uh, I think there's very little doubt in my mind that it's going to be Graham Mertz under center, and I'm excited to see him back uh, for sure. Yeah, because I think the Badgers need to air the ball out against Michigan. Um, a lot has been made about just how poor that Michigan secondary has been playing this year. There's so many penalties, so many big plays that they've given up. Um, you know, you look at Ambry Thomas, who was one of their – big corners that going into the year, he opted out. And I don't think anybody figured that it was going to be nearly as big of a loss as it has been. You you look at um, opposing quarterbacks have like a QB rating of 140, thrown for nearly – Vincent Gray, um, Kevin Green have really struggled at cornerback. I think if the Badgers are looking to win this game, they, they've got to be able to take advantage of that secondary. And I, I think that has to come from Graham Mertz and uh, and – the offensive line taking advantage of the fact that Aiden Hutchinson, possibly Quiddy Pay, aren't going to be there um, as well for their pass rush. So I think the Badgers are in a good spot if Graham Mertz plays, um, and assuming that the offensive line hasn't been decimated. But it does doesn't change the fact that uh, they're still going to be missing a lot of pieces, and we don't necessarily know what that is. So there's a lot of questions still around. 
Yeah, there's a lot of – sorry, did you just get an Allstate commercial that popped into your earphone? Because I was looking up Rocky Lombardi stats from a couple weeks ago. and, <laughs> I, and I did hear I did hear that. <laughs> yeah, the reason that Allstate commercial just came through is I was looking at ESPN and seeing how many yards uh, Rocky Lombardi threw, threw against uh, – threw for against that Michigan secondary a couple weeks ago. And anytime Rocky Lombardi is throwing for 300 yards on your secondary – that's kind of cause for concern, and, and I think that defines kind of the Michigan secondary um, you know, really well um, in, in the situation that they've got going on. You talked about Avery Thomas opting out. That I, I think was a significant loss, but I think now that you've seen the secondary without him, it is, it is much bigger. Um, I know Dax Hill, who was there you know, starting free safety coming into the season, has now started to play more corner because uh, he's kind of their, their cover guy, so... I think in, in terms of the offense and, and what you're looking at the Badgers probably looking to do uh, with the fact that hopefully you'll have Graham Mertz. Now, for some reason, you know, we're, we're both, we just talked about it, we're both planning on Graham Mertz, so that's why we're talking about game plan as if he's in there. Of course, if something happens or something different, maybe Wisconsin looks to run on the, on the ground game um, at, like they usually do. But I think right now you look at that secondary, it's, it's depleted, it's young, there's not a lot behind it in, in the two deep that, that really gets you excited, um, according to at least what, what Anthony said in our interview. So I think you look at the secondary, it's a, it's a good spot for the Badgers to really try and take advantage of it. Um, of course, we don't know. I don't know if there's any COVID with the wide receiver room or anything like that. But even if there is, you know, there's been, you know, this Michigan secondary has been giving up huge plays, not just, not just dink and dunks, I mean, huge plays, chunk plays, missing tackles, missing assignments, blown coverages, the whole nine yards has been there um, for this Wolverine secondary. So I would have to imagine that uh, the Badgers are going to look to air it out a little bit more um, you know, on Saturday evening. I think that's probably the game plan you go for offensively if you've got the weapons to do so. Yeah, I mean, if Danny Vandenboom's out there, your game plan's going to shift dramatically. No matter what Paul Chris says, no matter what Joe Rudolph says, um, that, hey, Danny's looks great, He's, we feel comfortable with the game plan no matter who our quarterback is, it doesn't change the fact that he isn't, doesn't have the same type of weaponry in that right arm of his that, that Graham Mertz does. So I, I really think that if we see Danny Vandenberg, you're going to see a very conservative approach. The Badgers are going to lean on their defense. Whereas if you see uh, Graham Mertz playing, which I know we both are anticipating, I think the offense will be much more aggressive and we'll take shots because you, you mentioned that uh, the Wolverines have been snake bitten by deep balls. And, and you look at Ricky White, who's a true freshman for, for Michigan State. Now, he was a solid three-star kid. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the guy that you would expect to light them up. Um, so I, I think the big thing here is the Badgers have the weapons around Mertz if if he's uh, back and good to go, which it seems like he will be, um, to, to make that happen and to take advantage of it. Um, but, but you also have to remember that some of those problems have been about penalty calls, and you might not get the same penalty calls uh, in the big house at night. Yeah, that's a great point as well. I think that kind of really wraps up the offensive side of the ball. I think if you're looking at it, the secondary is the spot to attack. Aiden Hutchinson probably is out for the year indefinitely um, with a fractured leg or ankle. Quiddy Pay, who knows his status. So that's two big defensive ends uh, possibly out as well for the Wolverines where all of a sudden you might just have a lot more time to be able to sit back and uh, make some of those throws. So it's certainly uh, a Michigan defense that is struggling um, to, to make plays and, and losing uh, possibly you know your two stars on the defensive line is not going to help matters 
in that situation. Transitioning over to the Badger defense a little bit. Of course, I know Jim Leonard said, hey, we're going to have 11 guys out there on the field uh, for every play, so we don't know who's going to be in there. Uh, but assuming you've got uh, a regular you know, mixture of the, the one and two deep, I think the only guy we know 100% is probably Rashad Wildgoose because there's been some talk, kind of like we talked about last week, of, of how good he's been. But what do you think the defense is going to look to do to uh, you know, slow down this Michigan attack? Because this Wolverine offense has had no run game uh, the last two weeks. They've, they've really had to rely on Joe Milton, but he's not a guy that I think can carry a whole offense. So how do you think the Badgers attack, you know, uh, that offense that is, that is struggling with kind of, uh, you know, figuring out who they are? Yeah, I was going to say, they definitely have an identity um, issue going on right now. They have, they have pieces. They have really good, a really good wide receiver group. Um, you know, Ronnie Bell has, has proven to be their most reliable guy. But then you look at a couple of younger guys like Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. They've been really good. Um, but then, but then you think of a lot of times the Michigan tight end spot, and Eric All has been just kind of a head case. He's really struggled with drops this year. Um, so I, I think the Badgers secondary should should be ready because they do have some talent around there. Joe Milton's going to throw the ball. They they put a lot on that young guy's shoulders, um, and at six five two forty, he, he's got some pretty broad shoulders. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he needs to be throwing the fifty one ball fifty one balls like they did against Michigan State. Um, he threw 34 last week against Indiana. So you can see that they're throwing the ball heavy here with him. He, he went ahead and had back-to-back 300-yard games, but he also hasn't been overly efficient. He's ha- He isn't, like, really pushing the ball down the field as much. Um, and he's only has uh, four touchdowns on the year compared to two interceptions, which isn't, like, crazy wow numbers. Um, but I, I think really they need to knock him off of his spot on his drop back. He's a guy who can hurt you on the run. Jack Sanborn is going to be a guy who's going to be playing in this game. The Badgers don't necessarily usually send guys into the zooms that are that have uh, have COVID. They're not going to be sending them. So we know Sanborn. We know Kendrick Pryor. We know uh, you know some of these guys are going to be playing no matter what because they're not going to have put them in um, that position to meet with the media if they're not going to be playing. But um, I would anticipate that the Badgers have um, some some way to kind of keep him in the pocket, but also kind of still move him around and get make him uncomfortable. you got to bring pressure. I would anticipate maybe um, Nick Herbig having a big role um, with, with trying to get in there, bring in blitzes to try to, to get them off the rhythm because this offensive line is not that great for Michigan. They had to – bring back or they had to um, replace four starters that went to the NFL last year and all they got really the only returner is Jalen Mayfield who who was planning to opt out but then returned um, but the rest of the group has been pretty kind of up and down for them so I think if the Badgers team can get pressure on him I think that would really help this team because I do think that the Wisconsin defensive line will do their part against the run. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. They're getting pressure for me is going to be the biggest thing to watch for whether it be the defensive line getting a push and, and swallowing up runs uh, before they get going, or whether it be the outside linebacker positions, you know, working off those defensive ends, eating up blocks, and and getting to the quarterback. Because like you said, Joe Milton is a guy that um, when he's got time and a clean pocket to throw it, he's definitely got a big arm and can sling it around, but. You, you saw it a little bit last week. Indiana only got home for a couple sacks, but they, de- they did seem to do enough to get there 
make him move around, uh, and then, you know, worked into, you know, two interceptions. So if you can just get in his face and, and move him around a little bit, I think that can really help you because he's got the big arm, he's got the strength, but he doesn't necessarily have as much of that um, touch and accuracy that you look for in the quarterback position. He can hurt you with his legs a little bit, but I don't see him as a as a real burner at a quarterback. You know, a guy that's really going to beat you with speed. It's just more so a big guy like him, you know, getting out of the pocket and, and getting downhill, he can get some yards. But for the most part, his, his strength of his game is having a little bit of mobility and a, a big arm to work off of. So I think for Wisconsin to, to send a lot of blitzes, I mean, Jim Leonard is, is as great as can be at, at coming up with different ways to, to send different guys. So uh, I, I think the outside linebackers and the defensive ends are going to have the opportunity to really make this game interesting. And then that, uh, you know, going that, sending a lot of guys, that, that kind of puts your secondary out there at, in some vulnerable positions. But I trust the Wisconsin secondary to, um, to, to, have, to play a good game. I'm excited to see what they can do uh, against some talented receivers and, um, and see what they can do and, and try and shut down this passing attack. Because we've really only seen them against Illinois, but... I think everyone was excited to see the secondary get to work, and it's going to be you know, working off one of each other, you know, working off each other in in the different units. If the defense is getting pressure, um, it, it might force some errant throws, and, and the secondary might be able to take advantage of it, get some picks and stuff like that. So, I know we've only seen the Wisconsin defense once, but I'm excited to see them kind of get back out there and then hopefully flex their muscle against this Michigan offense that is really, like I said, struggling to find itself and, and kind of having a little bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, and, and you got to wonder right now, the Badgers have everything to play for still in this game. This is I still look at that this game, as well as, you know, you put that together with the Northwestern game next week, I think those are the two most important games left on their schedule. Now, everybody's going to say that every, all of them are important, but this stretch, I think, is the most crucial because you've had the, you've been knocked off of what you normally do, your rhythm, you're just getting back into it. To be able to eke out a win against Michigan, a team you haven't beaten in the big house since 2010, um, against a team who still has a lot of talent. Like, this is a really talented team, regardless of how their season has transpired thus far. And and then going to take that momentum into uh, Northwestern, who could very well be undefeated heading into that game. Um, I, I think these two games are really going to define the season for the Badgers um, beyond um, how everything's kind of defined by how everybody's dealing with COVID. Yeah, I think you, you, you're you definitely right there. This Michigan game was always a big one, and then that'll set you up uh, next week for a big one with Northwestern. So I'm excited to see uh, what they can do uh, on both sides of the ball. I know it's been, it's been two weeks. It's been a long two weeks without seeing some of these guys, and I know we've had to wait. It was a, kind of a rough tease having to get them back for one game and then lose it again. So um, going into, you know, the the first game a couple weeks ago, we, we said, you know, which players we'll be talking about come Sunday. Uh, let's do that exercise again for this one and in, the, in this kind of second wave season opener for the Badgers. Who do you think you'll be talking about uh, come Sunday morning after this contest? I'm going to go with two-pronged approach, and I'm going to go with the two freshmen that have made waves all camp. I'm going to go with Nick Herbig. I think that the Badgers are going to unleash him, try to get some pressure on Milton. And I think it's going to be crucial that he is also holding the edge and not allowing the quarterback run game to happen just simply because Milton, like you mentioned, can run the ball. He's their second leading rusher with 25 attempts this year. He's not doing crazy amounts with it, but that doesn't change the fact that they do like to pull on those zone reads and let him run. And then the other guy is Chimray DK. I, when you look at, hey, what could happen in the depth chart, 
with the Badgers, you're you're looking at hey wide receivers. There's there's a there's three guys above him, three or four guys above him that um, who knows who's dealing with COVID. We know that it's probably not Kendrick Pryor because he was there, but uh, who knows about anybody else in front of him? I, I think this is an opportunity for him to to make a play, and I, I think those are going to be the two guys that we're going to be talking about. Um, otherwise, I would say Jake Ferguson just because I think he's always going to have a good game as long as he's healthy. Yeah, like both of those answers, I was kind of thinking the same uh, wavelength on the offensive side of the football. I was thinking Danny Davis probably is, or, or I think one of the receivers is going to have a huge game. You know, you talk about the game plan already with, with throwing the ball a little bit more than, than usual. Someone's going to benefit from that. Maybe it is Jake Ferguson. Maybe, you know, it's Danny Davis on a couple of those big play deep balls. Uh, we've seen that a little bit already with Graham Mertz and him, so hopefully that'll be the case uh, again Saturday. And then on defense, I was going to say uh, defensive nose tackle uh, Keanu Benton. I think last year we really kind of started to see his coming out party against a really strong Michigan team uh, that week. And, and I think this week you, you might see him just completely prey on an offensive line that, like you mentioned, re, re, has replaced four guys. They've been okay, but it ha- it's, hasn't been your normal Michigan offensive line with just five dominating guys. I think in terms of the run game, Michigan's already struggling, and now you have to try and run it at the teeth of of, um, you know, of Benton uh, and, and Loudermilk and Rand on the outside. So I could see him eating up a lot of blocks and shutting that run game down. And, and who knows, maybe um, he, he can get you know some pressure on the quarterback as well. I know they're working him into more pass rush situations, and he could be a guy that can do that. So... I think Benton, maybe not stats-wise, you'll see a huge amount from him, but uh, in terms of tackles and everything like that. But he's going to be a guy that's going to be taking on blockers and, and hopefully making a difference and allowing guys like Nick Herbig and the outside linebackers to uh, to get after the quarterback and, and, and get some pressure. So I think both of those two working cohesively will be a great uh, game plan to lean on for the Badgers on the, on the defense side of the ball. I would totally agree. Who do you, right. who do you got in the game? All right, score prediction time. Let's see. I've got, I've, I've got Wisconsin, and actually, when I was writing my betting preview today, I, I felt a little bit even more confident. You know, Paul Christ as a road favorite is like fourteen and five uh, as the Badgers head coach. So a really good um, trend for them. I think the Badgers are going to take advantage of it, and I'm going to say Wisconsin. 31-17. I think it's going to be a two-score game. Maybe it's close a little bit early as the uh, the Badgers kind of work their way back into it, uh, work some guys in there. But I think as they get their feet back under them, they'll start clicking like they did in that week one. So I've got Wisconsin 31-17, maybe in a similar game to last year. I know last year it came out and it was over in a hurry, but I could see it kind of being a game where uh, it starts a little slow, and then uh, the Badgers kind of you know, put the clamps down and, and break away later on. I like it. Um, I, I think the Badgers, you look at, that, you look at the, the money line, speaking of gambling here, started off with Michigan as favorites back on the 8th. That's just three days ago, and it quickly swung to Wisconsin all the way by a full seven points uh, just the next day. Uh, so that kind of tells you usually is a pretty sure sign that Vegas knows something or is at least feeling really good overcorrecting what they originally thought. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to go with the Badgers as well. I think it's going to be closer. Um, I think that the Badgers are still going to be knocking off some rust. They're still shorthanded. I don't anticipate them really pulling away in this one. But um, assuming that our, our boy Graham Mertz starts, I would, I'm going to guess that the Badgers win – uh, thirty-one twenty-seven. 
I like that. Either way, uh, coming away with the uh, victory would be huge in that once you've got 31-27. I've got uh, 31-17. So uh, hopefully both of our predictions can be somewhat right because it means the Badgers are coming over with a victory and setting up a huge contest with Northwestern the following week, and that'll transition us over well. We'll get into our Big Ten predictions as well for the conference for this week. Uh, I slate, of course, that is now uh, down one game with the cancellation of Maryland and Ohio State. Uh, unfortunate news for there with the Terrapins, who were playing well coming into the game, but uh, have shut down uh, facilities and uh, practice due to an outbreak um, at, at their campus. So we wish them the best as they try to get uh, back to healthy um, but before we talk about that one and uh, get into the rest of the conference, we'll start with the Friday night game. Um, Iowa and Minnesota, a game that thought everyone thought was going to be huge for Big Ten West implications. It's still a big game, but both teams coming in at one and two, a little bit behind the eight ball. Who do you see as uh, a winner in that contest in the Big Ten West? We'll go with Iowa. Um, I think that's showing that they put together against Michigan State kind of breeds Gave them a breath of fresh air after a really poor start. So I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes. Um, I think they're the better team as of right now. They've got the better blend of offense and defense. I think that Minnesota is too reliant on our offense right now, and that defense has really struggled. So I'm going to go with Iowa um, in, a, in a close one. I think it's going to be a really good game, actually. Yeah, I think for me, I, I was kind of on the fence on this one. I didn't know. You know, I was looking at it, and it's just a, a game where Minnesota at home, um, I still just don't know where they're at in terms of their defense to, to feel super confident in it. But last week going into that game, I wasn't super confident in Iowa, and they ended up bouncing back pretty well. So I think I have to agree with you. I think it's going to be a tight one, um, but I'm going to probably take the Hawkeyes there as well to, to bounce back or to continue that bounce back. They had a good week last week, kind of proved me wrong. I uh, bet against them, and I was uh, sorely mistaken on that one, but I just kind of thought the program might be in flux, but they bounced back nicely. So I think they'll be able to go up to the Minneapolis and get a win. So I'm going to take Iowa in that one as well. The next one, uh, 11 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, battle of uh, winless teams. I didn't think anyone was going to be saying that, but Penn State and Nebraska in this week uh, looking for victory number one. Who do you have as a winner in uh, that contest that is much more intriguing but for kind of different reasons? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the underdog at home. I'm going to go with Nebraska. I think Nebraska has, um, has the firepower to, to keep up with Penn State. Penn State had, has had a whole bunch of stuff going on. You saw Journey Brown just retired from football. They, they've got um, a, a lot of games where they just haven't really looked – that great, and you you thought, hey, this is a team that should make some damage, but then we also saw them just get blown out by Maryland of all teams, which, um, you know, Maryland has definitely looked like a better team than what we had originally thought, but I think Nebraska can take them down. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Cornhuskers at home in a close one. Yeah, I think I've, I've got to agree with you there. I just – Nothing from Penn State. You know, that first game they probably should have won and, and played okay, but nothing to really instill confidence in them the, the last two weeks. And like you said, there's some other stuff going on. I think Nebraska has a team that if they would have hit on a few more plays, you know, last week uh, the, the 21-13 loss to Northwestern, they had on a few more plays to right into that game and, and lessened some mistakes where I think they could get that cleaned up as well. So I kind of like the Nebraska Cornhuskers here as well at home. 
uh, trying to pick up their first victory, and I'm sure Nebraska fans will write home uh, you know, on it for the entire year that they knocked off Penn State if they do so. But I, I kind of agree with your logic. It's just hard to hard to buy into this uh, Penn State you know, team right now with, with the kind of situation that they're going to have going on. All right, going down the line, ABC, 11 o'clock, Indiana, undefeated Indiana, top 10 ranked Indiana, traveling to Michigan State. What do you make of that contest? I know Michigan State's coming off of uh, that drubbing from Iowa. Now they get a top 10 team in Indiana. What do you like uh, in that game? I I don't like a lot in that game, but you look at you look at what Michigan State has done this year. They got beat by Rutgers in an ugly fashion. Then they go out and they beat Michigan. Then they go and get beat in ugly fashion versus Iowa. Do they can they come back and beat Indiana? They've had Indiana's number for some time now. They've they've been the team that's won this matchup um, for the last few years. Indiana's got this game, and then they're looking at Ohio State next week. Do they start looking ahead to that game a little bit? So I don't know if Michigan State's going to outright win the game, but with a spread of seven points, I would be, if I was betting money, I'd probably go with Michigan State. In the end, I'm going to just run with the Spartans, understanding that there's a probably a good chance Indiana still wins it, even though I think it's going to be a closer game than what that spread's saying. So you're taking which one? Sorry, I missed it. I'm gonna go bit. with the I'm gonna go with the Spartans. You're gonna go with Spartans. All right, that's yeah. I'm thought, gonna pick so. the upset. I'm just rocking upsets here, pretty much. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I like what you said. Um, you know, with the with the number, I think uh, for my betting column, uh, I might look. Michigan State's a team that I just keep looking. It was the same thing last year. I looked to them a lot uh, to to bet on, and and it's just a team I couldn't quit. And so far, they're looking like that a little bit, where I think they could bounce back and. The, the seven-point number is definitely intriguing when you look at that look-ahead spot for Indiana. Everything's going well. They've knocked off Penn State and Michigan. They're, they're riding high with you know, Ohio State's got a cancellation. Um, so all of a sudden, Indiana's kind of got a fast track to, to knock off the champ. Do they come out or, or look ahead a little bit and run into to Michigan State and, and the struggles there? I, I think they could, and I think it could be a situational spot that gets a little dicey, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to stick with Indiana. I can't... Uh, I can't uh, ride with them all all year and then hop off uh, when they take on Michigan State. So I'll go with the Hoosiers, but I think your logic is correct that this game um, could get dicey if uh, if they don't come out ready to play in that contest. Yeah, I, still, I think Indiana is probably the more likely win there, but I just think that there's there's a there's kind of a a look of that game that makes me think, ah, maybe Michigan State can can shock them. We shall see. All right, moving on to the 11 o'clock kind of, well, I guess not basement game because Rutgers does have a win, but Illinois and Rutgers uh, on Big Ten Network, I believe the game start time for that has changed. But what do you like um, in, in that contest? I don't want to watch any of that game, but I'll <laughs> go with Rutgers. So I don't like much. I'm going to go with Rutgers, though, to, to get the win. I just think Illinois is destined to have a really rough year this year. So I'm going to go with Rutgers in Piscataway. I've got to agree with you there. Uh, Rutgers has shown a little bit more, I think. They do have the victory, and I think Greg Schiano is at least building. They're, they're taking, um, you know, I, I think these younger or newer head coaches in their position might have a, a better chance to, to get their guys fired up, kind of playing for next year. Lovey Smith, I think, will be back with Illinois. I don't think I'll see as many coach firings this year, but – 
Uh, it still looks like a situation where Illinois is struggling. They've had some COVID issues as well. So I have to take the Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights here as well to get a second win, which is not something I thought I'd be saying uh, here on November 11th. All right, the primetime game, really the, the marquee matchup in the Big Ten outside of Michigan and uh, Wisconsin is going to be this one in the Big Ten West, undefeated Northwestern, taking on undefeated Purdue. Big game for the, for the division race. Who do you like in this contest? Yeah, I'm, I actually think this is going to be a really good game, so it's unfortunate that it's happening at the same time as the Badger game. Um, it would have been nice if that was maybe at that 2 o'clock window instead. But um, I'm going to go with Northwestern, and I, I really like Purdue. I think Purdue will, um, will have a really good shot at winning this game, especially in ross Stadium. But I think you look at Northwestern, Purdue barely beat them last year. Northwestern's won the previous five before that. I just think that Northwestern has these every once in a while. They have one of these seasons where they're just they win their games. They win the games they need to, and they they just make it happen. So I'm going to run with the Wildcats and um, hopefully set up a really big game next week with the Badgers. Um, in the end, the Badgers would be much uh, happy if if Northwestern won this one, given the fact that Purdue uh, and Wisconsin weren't able to play this year. Yeah, I think they'd be thrilled uh, with that situation there. Um, I I really kind of went back and forth on this one where I could see Same. it going a lot of different ways. I think just for difference sake and uh, the well, never mind. I, I look at I'm looking at the weather report right now and it looks like 20 mile an hour winds uh, in West Lafayette on Saturday. So that's going to make me switch my pick to Northwestern because I think they've got the ground game and the defense. To, to win a game like that versus Purdue, who's pretty reliant on throwing the ball around, trying to throw it in, in 17 to 20 mile an hour winds is a difficult thing to do. So uh, it pays to check the weather report, and I think I'm going to take uh, Northwestern as well in that contest, uh, given what I see there and the, the complete you know style differences on the offensive side of the ball. So Yeah, I think that's going to be just – I mean, I don't anticipate that being a huge – high-scoring game, I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight, and I think that it's going to be a good one. So I I think if you uh, have a a way to record that game as well as watch the Wisconsin-Michigan game, that's the way to go. I believe they moved the kickoff of that to like 5 o'clock for for those of you. Someone will have to double-check me if you're looking for it, but I think they might run um, not so much in congruence with one another or one starts before the other. Uh, I thought I just saw that before we hopped on the mic to talk, so that might be a benefit for those of you looking to watch both games or maybe get a two TV setups so you can watch the end of that uh, as the as the first half for uh, Michigan-Wisconsin concludes. But uh, I think that pretty much wraps up our preview, so we'll go ahead and we'll get into our ad reads, guys, and then we'll get into uh, an interview and inside recap with Anthony Broom of Maze and Brew. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on our resident Michigan Wolverine expert, Anthony Broom from mazeandbrew.com, SB Nation's Michigan Wolverine site. Make sure to go check them out if you're looking for a Wolverine perspective on Saturday's contest. And we were just talking about it offline here. I think these two teams for uh, the last two weeks, I know things have not gone well for Wisconsin, but uh, it hasn't gone very well for Michigan uh, in kind of different reasons. So we were kind of going back and forth on on that whole thing and, and how the last two weeks have been. So I, it kind of segues nicely into my first question, Anthony. 
before we get into the game itself, how are the fans feeling towards Jim Harbaugh? Because I was looking around on Maze and Brew. At size, a couple articles about you know kind of being an all-time club and, and fans not happy. So, what is kind of your take on the status of Michigan football and the uh, coaching staff? Oh well, as you would expect, everyone is handling everything with uh, a class and perspective and being super sub. No, no, none of those things are true. Um, it is probably. I mean, I won't say it's venomous or poisonous at the moment. I think right now. Um, it's more of a sobering realization that, and, and perhaps this was this should have been more apparent. Some will argue it was. Some will argue it's not yet. But I think it's more the sobering reality that the guy that Michigan hired. I mean, it was by all accounts. You go back to December of 2014. You just pulled Jim Harbaugh out of the NFL. That's about as home run a home run a hire as forget Michigan, like just about any school in the country. Uh, could imagine. So there is, um, you know, it, it's we're into year six now, and I know it's been a pandemic altered season, and and Michigan's had a lot to replace from last year, but you know, it's it's really the last two weeks that felt like a bottoming out, and you know, the loss you lose to Michigan State as a three touchdown favorite, you go down to Indiana and lose by seventeen to a team you haven't lost to since nineteen eighty seven. So really, all it is, it's just the you know, I keep saying sobering. It's the sobering reality that the guy that you brought in, your home run hire, um, it just appears that it's it's heading in the wrong direction. And a lot of people ask, if if not Jim Harbaugh, who can turn Michigan football around? And uh, I think if it if this doesn't wind up going, you know, swinging in a different direction pretty substantially here soon. I think those questions will be even more numerous than they were, uh, you know, six years ago. When we're looking at a coaching search, so it is. Uh, things are are not awesome at the moment. Yeah, and I like what, the way you put it because I think you know I've always thought you know when you when you go after that home run alma mater type guys, those it, it can either go really well. I think for the Badgers fans, Paul Christ, you know. An alma mater guy, a guy that's been at Wisconsin, it went well, or it can kind of be a messy where it's like, okay, who else is it going to be if it's not, you know, the home run hire, um, you know, that we thought we had um, to begin with? So I think that's a really interesting perspective on on where it's at and, and where it might be going for, for Michigan football at the moment. But I know part of the struggle has kind of been the defense, and, and specifically Don Brown's defense kind of given up a lot through the air um, over the last couple of weeks. What is been the problem because that looks like you know you're reading through preseason stuff and the Athlon magazines and of course those change with with COVID but it looked like the secondary would kind of be a strength of the unit uh, defensively but it doesn't seem like that's been the case so what has been the problem on that side of the ball? Well I think your biggest problem right off the bat is that prior to the season starting and really more so when you know the Big Ten was coming back, then they were canceled. We all know how that went in that six-day span back in August. Uh, Michigan lost their best cornerback, arguably maybe one of the top two or three players on their defense when Ambry Thomas opted out. And that's a guy who, an athletic guy, a talented guy, someone who really started to, you know, he's always been good and he, he'd been there, but someone who was kind of coming into this year as the unquestioned number one with a lot of question marks behind him, but, uh, you know, then you go from there to 
listen, I mean, the fact of the matter is, and I know that, you know, especially, you know, I'm talking to a Wisconsin podcast here, recruiting rankings are not always super high, but you, you always have a tendency to crank out guys and put them in the NFL at, at some different positions. But, you know, the, the cornerbacks that Michigan have right now are Vincent Gray, who I believe was the number 700 cornerback in his, or the 700 overall player in his class, something like the 62nd cornerback, and Javon Green, who's like the number 382 overall player, something along those lines. Um, and, and when you're in a a conference like the Big Ten, where you're in the Big Ten East, Ohio State has seemingly a infinity gauntlet of, of four- and five-star receivers year in and year out. You've got other teams that are explosive, Penn State, uh, Wisconsin. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this. Apparently, you guys are running the air raid now all of a sudden based on <laughs> one game of film. So um, it's tough to win that way. And like I said, it's a work in progress. I get it. but And they have young and inexperienced guys. And that's probably the biggest thing is there is inexperience. But the two starters that they have, both of these guys have been here. Yeah, they're tech redshirt sophomores, but both of those guys have been here for three years. I mean, two to three years is, is a lot of time, and some guys click sooner than others. But um, you know, that's kind of it's kind of telling right now that you know Michigan might land a five one five star, maybe two in in its recruiting classes, and really the only one that they've ha- that they have right now on defense was is Dax Hill, who's a safety by trade. And now, because he's your best corner or your best cover guy by default, it looks like he might be playing a little bit more corner. Um, so, I think that that is that's why the pass defense is where it is. And the biggest thing too is that I think that teams have been watching the film and realizing, like, okay, up front on defense, Michigan's got we got Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson on two sides of the line. Those guys, if they're not first round picks, they're probably second or third round guys. So how do you beat a good pass rush is you have to get the ball out quickly. And when that coverage isn't holding up on the outside, you know, that's when, you know, it has a chain reaction through the rest of the defense. I mean, we we know a lot of people like to focus on the one, fo- you know, one position group. But football and especially defense, it, it, there's, there's a symbiotic relationship there between how one position group plays compared to the other. And none more so maybe than the defensive line and the, sec- the secondary. So, um it's really that's really played out into what has been a you know I, I hate to sound so harsh but it's kind of been a comedy of errors so far this year. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point that you know these these units kind of go off one another. You can't look at uh, one or the other. And, and you you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson. That was a name I was uh, ready to talk about because he is uh, you know a, a going to be a high round draft pick when he's ready, but. Um, out for the year, it sounds like with a with a leg injury from yeah. the last or out indefinitely. Yeah, it sounds like um, you know leg fracture, ankle fracture, one Oof. of the two. Um, probably about a four month recovery is uh, is what I saw reported. So uh, he's done for the year. I would think. I mean, I'd think probably done at Michigan, but who's to say? I mean, I, I guess that depends on what happens in the aftermath of this season, but. Um, yeah, that, that's a big loss for them. And like I said, it's it's where Yardi didn't feel super great about the depth on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, up front they usually recruit pretty well there, and they develop pretty well there. But it's just, you know, you take one guy out of a rotation like that, that, you know, like I said, we talk about chain reactions. That's kind of what happens there. So uh, Quidi Pei came down with an injury last week too. I think he'll probably play this weekend. 
I'm not sure. Um, Harbaugh and his staff are are pretty tight-lipped about those things, as you know, really most coaches are across the country now, um, you know, guarding the nuclear launch code, so to speak. But um, yeah, I mean, losing one guy is on a defensive line where you know you really don't have that great of a push up the middle either, which has been something that uh, that Michigan struggled with. I mean, they have Carlo Kemp is fine. Um, they have some other pieces around him that are that are okay, but you know they've had a hard time replacing you know the the production, the explosion that they had from the guys maybe early on uh, in the Harbaugh era. So, like I said, it all it's all tied together. Um, and really, when your defense isn't playing that well, to lose any of your difference makers is is a problem and, and a huge concern moving forward. Yeah, that's a tough blow for sure. He's a very talented player, so we wish him the best on uh, his recovery. I, I know he. I remember watching him a couple games last year, and then earlier on in the season, and he's just uh, a really good player that uh, will be good at the next level when he gets back. But kind of switching gears to the offense a little bit, things looked great in Week One against that Minnesota defense, which might be a little bit more suspect than uh, some others let on, but. Uh, the run game the last couple weeks looks like it's kind of been struggling. Last week was a big struggle, kind of put it all on Joe Milton. Is that kind of the biggest concern for you guys offensively? Is just that you don't have the the balance right now to to be able to run the system that the Josh Gaddis is kind of looking for? Yeah, I think they're suffering from a major identity crisis there right now. Mm-hmm. And you no, know, you, you turn on. It, it's really kind of jarring because. You turn on the film from that first week of the year. Now, listen, it's pretty clear that Minnesota isn't what they were last year. Um, and their defense, specifically, it kind of looks like most teams are going up against a bunch of, you know, maroon and gold traffic cones in the moment. But, you know, this was an offense. I mean, Michigan got whatever they wanted. They ran the ball for 250 yards. You know, they passed the ball for, I think, Milton had 225 yards uh, throwing the ball. And, and he was active in the quarterback run game. And, you know, they were attacking the edges. They were using different guys, you know, at receiver, at running back. And since then, you know, in these last few games, Milton hasn't been a factor in the quarterback run game. I, I don't even. I'm not off the top of my head. I can't even think of they've if they've dialed up a play. You know, designed you know one of those QB power runs off the right side, which was kind of the bread and butter of what they did in that first game against Wisconsin or uh, in uh, Minnesota. I'm sorry. Um, so it's you know running. They love the the running on early downs right into the right into the middle of the, the line of scrimmage, and that hasn't worked. It just I, I I don't think they know what they are. I don't think the players know what they are. I think this coaching staff is still trying to figure out what they have, um, which is a little bit. I understand there was no spring football and and fall camp was weird. They didn't practice in pads until you know six weeks ago. So. There's the reps and the experience wasn't quite there when they're working on these things, but it just seems like they you should have you should probably be further along than this. And it's a young team. They lost a lot from last season, replacing four or five starting offensive linemen, new quarterback, new wide receivers, new faces really everywhere. And you know, but these guys were in this system and in this offense last year. A lot of them, you know, made up the two deep depth charts. So you're getting those practice reps. You're getting those game reps late in, you know, these blowouts. It just seems like they fail to execute. And this really, this goes to both sides of the ball now. They fail to execute 
some really basic things, um, really on both sides of the ball, and, and that's that's really troubling. I'm not gonna lie. So that it's it's an identity crisis, and we've always said that a team like Michigan, and you know, you guys know this, a team like Wisconsin too. You're only really gonna be able to go as far as far as your quarterback takes you, the way that college football is set up now. And and Milton has played fine. Uh, he hasn't, you know. He hasn't been spectacular, and I don't think he's been terrible either. I think he's been somewhere in the middle, again, showing some promise. But, again, it's another thing where he's been in the program for three years. So it just seems like everyone should probably be a little bit further along than they are right now. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it for sure. And I and that was going to kind of be my next question was about Joe Milton. I know, he, like you said, he his, his stats, you know, you look at the numbers and he's put up yards, and but it also kind of, you look at the run game, you go, he's kind of the only source of the offense right now, and if he's not perfect, you know, maybe they're they're struggling. But what are the strengths of Joe Milton's game, and, and what does he need from the rest of the offense to kind of help him, I guess, build an offense that, that works a little bit better and not putting it all on his shoulders? He doesn't seem like a guy that can take – the entire game plan and be the guy to, to have to execute and, and win you a football game, you know, week in and week out. Yeah. I, well, I think that everyone just kind of needs to maybe raise their play around him. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say this for as new as the offensive line is, I think most of the time he's had some good clean pockets to operate out of and he's bailed out of them a few times, which that's again on him and his development still, you know, a really raw guy, you know, someone who has, Probably the strongest arm a lot of people have ever seen in person. You know, you could, he's he's the type of guy that, you know, it's not an urban legend that he can flick the ball 75, 80 yards down the field. But the problem, you know, it's you have to learn to rein yourself in a little bit. You have to put a little more touch on your throws. You have to, um, you know, just have to execute at a at a higher level to to play football at this level and. I think what you're seeing right now is, is one, the inability to run the ball has really hurt them. And I think they have to probably be a little bit more creative in the way they do that. Um, the second thing is that he just, you know, he probably needs to play a little bit better. Um, when they have, they haven't taken a ton of shots down the field, maybe nine or ten this whole season. And, uh, you know, he's still, you know, those guys that have the big arms, they, they have a tendency to overshoot, and we've seen a lot of that. Uh, another problem I would say is that the wide they have a lot of a really talented and athletic young stable of wide receivers, but like last year you have a trio that you know includes Nico Collins and that's another opt out that really hurts them a guy that a jump ball receiver down the sideline an athletic guy someone who um, you know can win those battles down the field they don't really have anyone like that now so it's it, it, maybe it's just a matter of them getting. You know, some some more rhythm throws, some some of those quick slants and things like that, just to get him into a groove. Because I do think he does have a look to me of a guy that is kind of a rhythm passer. Um, but again, there again, the getting him involved in the QB run game, I think, would probably go a long way too. He's not a burner. He's not he's not Cam Newton like some Michigan fans are maybe hoping he would be. But um, Again, it was it's pretty jarring that they haven't tried to go back to that, but it worked so well in that first game of the year. So, I just think you know, from a game planning standpoint, from an execution standpoint, and as cliche and as coach speaky as that all sounds, I, I think that everything just needs to be better than it has been, quite frankly. 
So looking at Saturday, you got uh, a team coming in that is, from the sounds of it on the Michigan side, kind of dealing with maybe an identity crisis and, of, of course, some injuries as well. For Wisconsin, you've got you know a lot of unknowns. I know it looks like it could be Graham Mertz, but you talked about hush-hush with the coaching staff. Wisconsin fans really aren't going to know who's available and who's not until Saturday, probably at 6 o'clock. So um, what do you kind of make of this game? And if Michigan were to bounce back and win this game, what's what's the changes that need to happen to kind of make that happen and, and do so and, and pull off a win? Well, I can say this. Uh, going from – potentially going from Grand Mertz to um, – what is the fellow's name? Danny Vandenboom? <laughs> that could that could be something that swings uh, momentum a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if Mertz is healthy, given what we've seen out of, and again, I'm not even sure you guys know who who's tested positive and who's been in and out of the you know practices and things like that. But you know, assuming that Mertz is back, and and I'm sure that's what Michigan's game planning for, and and the wide receivers are healthy and intact, it it's hard for me to see how on a neutral field, and again, this is where maybe fans, the lack of fans does hurt a little bit because mm-hmm. as we've seen uh, in this series, the home team has had the advantage and, and oftentimes a big advantage the last whatever four or five times that, that these teams have played. So um, again, I have to think if Wisconsin is even somewhat close to full strength, uh, especially at quarterback this weekend, that's probably – it's probably not a good recipe, but again, um, you know, if Michigan is just able to, it's really just find that focus. I mean, the, the, the focus last week, the lack of focus, the the body language, I didn't think was great in that game against Indiana. I mean, if they come out fired up, I mean, this this can be a game. Um, do I expect it to be like what it was last year in Madison? Probably not. I, I think it'll probably it would probably be a closer game than that. But again. Um, you know, if Wisconsin is going down the field and, and getting where it wants through the air, Michigan's going to have to, you know, keep up in a track meet. And and what we've seen so far is that that hasn't worked out very well for them. So again, it's just a matter of really a Michigan team coming out and playing the type of football that we haven't seen against the first week of the season, or since the first week of the season, I should say. And um, but that was against a much inferior opponent to what they'll see this weekend. So I would – right now, we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, we still, there might be might be people in your fan base that are still kind of believing it when they see it that there will be football played this weekend. But um, right now, like I said, if Michigan's going to get back on track, it's going to be pretty much – it's going to have to be pretty much a reversal of everything that I've talked about in this segment with you. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I think uh, you can look to the last couple of weeks and, and you can see what's got to improve uh, to win a football game. And I think for Badger fans, we're just going to be excited. I know there's a lot of question marks and superlatives and, and unknowns with this football game, but we're going to be, I think, excited to just see uh, Badger football again because being on the sidelines for two weeks has been uh, difficult to swallow, but uh, it's I guess sometimes it can be better than you know having racking up two losses. So it's it's kind of a... Up in the air, but we're excited to get back uh, and, and see them on the field. So, Anthony, thank you for taking the time to hop on and, and talk some Michigan football. We wish you uh, the best of luck this season after this Saturday. Hopefully, uh, for Badger <laughs> fans, we don't wish you too much luck. But uh, looking forward to the contest, and we appreciate you hopping on. Uh, no problem. I'm just glad we were able to talk football and not uh, 
something different this week. So exactly. Glad to be exactly. here. <laughs> All right, Badger fans, that wraps up our episode uh, for the Michigan preview. We'll be back with you later in the week to recap uh, Saturday's contest. And as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.